I could feel the Lord's presence right in my kitchen working on me. He so desperately wanted to free me, but only I could be the one to let go. All he wanted was for me to say, you are all I need. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. And today's story is a story of hope found in Jesus. I am Robin, and I'm here with Katie and Lindy, and we are your podcast hosts. And around holidays, particularly Easter, we always try and be very intentional of the stories we share. And so when I told you that today's story is filled with hope, you are going to hear Julie talk about breaking free from years of living in fear. That's right, Robin. You know, Julie is from our community group in Montgomery. She spoke at a live gathering and Gosh, you know, she's walked through a couple of really traumatic events. One of those you're going to hear that she walked through with her girls. She has two daughters and you're going to hear that. The other one is with her husband and his illness. But one of the things that Julie points us to, and I love that we're doing this right before Easter, is just Jesus being the good shepherd and how he wants us to live in freedom from fear, from anxiety, from idols maybe that we've created in our lives. So I think this particular Holy Week, that you can lean into Jesus a little bit more through Julie's story and ask yourself, is there something that I am not giving over to God that He wants to free me from? Are there chains that are holding me back that He wants to free me from? And I am excited because Patreon, we're going to have a little bit of a treat offered for you there as well. Absolutely, Katie. I'm so excited that y'all were able to do a story within the story and talk further with not only Julie, but her daughters and hear more of the story. So click the link in our show notes and you can join our Patreon community if you're already not a member. Also, ticket sales close this Friday. This is the last week to get a ticket for our storytelling luncheon that we're having here in Birmingham on April the 20th. You will get to hear the powerful story of Lauren Sisler. And this is a fundraising event as we launch our second Bible study, When God Shows Up, Stories of Freedom. So join us on April 20th. Click the link in our show notes and buy a ticket today. We look forward to meeting you there. Here's Julie. Um, I want to start off by just saying something I heard in church this past week. And uh, the preacher said, glory is to him equals God on display. And so I just want y'all to forget that I'm here. I'm trying to forget I'm here too. (laughs) But I want it to be God on display because I want him to get all the glory. Because this is his story. I'm just a character in it. And so all my only wish is that y'all will see him and hear him. So um, I hope that he will be on display right now because that's what I want. And so I want to thank the storytellers for having me. It is such an honor to get to share this. It's hard to share it, but it's an honor. And I know a lot of times people will share their testimony and they will talk about how um, they found the Lord. But I want to share with y'all how he found and saved me. I need to give you a little background about myself. Um, I'm from Montgomery. I've lived here my whole life. I grew up in a Christian home. I went to church. I loved my youth group. I still am connected to my youth minister. And I would say that I found Jesus at a young age. And so I... Married the man that I met and fell in love with when I was 16 years old. And we met at Camp Chandler. And that's Jeff. He's here. So, hey, Jeff. 
And um, we have two beautiful daughters, Candler and Parker, and they're in their home states listening on Zoom. And I spent most of my young working years, young married years, working as a social worker. And it's kind of important part of this story because I went, I worked with all walks of life and I went into every area in Montgomery, all kinds of scary places. And I would say that I was fearless. I never knew fear and I was never scared. So now that you know who I am, let's get to whose I am. And that story begins about 10 years ago. So it was a Sunday night after church. And Sunday is pretty important because to me, it was a holy day. It was a day of rest and it was the Lord's day. And it would soon become a day that I dread dreaded seeing come every week because it would be a terrible reminder of a traumatic event. And I'm going to try so hard not to cry. I, just, I, I didn't cry at all when I did this in front of my dogs. <laughs> I was sitting in my home in Starbridge and um, my daughter's been 16 and 13, had gone to the local red box to return a movie. And it probably wasn't even a mile away from our house. My husband was upstairs and I was sitting in our den and my oldest daughter comes crashing through the door, screaming, um, both hands in the air and says, give him the money. He's got Parker. And I, it took me a minute to even get my bearings. I was thinking, what money? I don't have any money. <laughs> and so then I turn around and as I turn around and head towards my kitchen, I see a stranger in my kitchen with a, a gun to my baby girl's head. The mama bear and me immediately kicked in. And I guess I must have thought that I had an imaginary gun or something because I went right towards him. My only goal was free Parker. I don't care what he does to me, but let, let me get Parker free. And she did slip out past him. And I continued to go towards him and I kicked him and I ended up chasing him and ended up chasing him down the driveway until he finally <laughs> threw something at me. And I landed flat on my face, but not before I got a description of the car. So that night, David Martin stole a lot more from my family than just valuables. He stole my peace. Mm -hmm. He stole my security. He started the process of me chaining myself up. And from that night on, I never got out of the fight or flight response. I remember thinking, I'll never sleep again. This man knows where I live. He knows what my children look like. He has my personal belongings with all of my information on it. And so at this time, my brother and sister-in-law lived probably almost within arm's distance from us. And that's important because I know God planted them there. He knew that this night would come and he knew that I was going to need my family close by. So my sister-in-law you know, I, I think she made it there before the police or either they arrived at the same time. I'm not sure, but um, she immediately just went into strong mode. She called her brother, who was our city councilman. He showed up. He helped us navigate the police. Um, he told us exactly what was going to happen. And I even remember um, him saying to all the police out there, the investigators, he said, y'all get this guy tonight. These people are like family to me. They kept me separated from my girls, and that was very hard that night because I really just wanted to hug them. I wanted to hold them. I wanted to comfort them because 
as traumatic as this was for me, I was an adult and I just wanted to be with them. But part of the investigation was that we would have to be separated and not be together. So all I wanted to do is protect them and not them not even have to answer any of the questions. But they grew up really fast that night. And the police ended up catching David Martin that night and they returned to our house around 2 a.m. And they had photo IDs, photo pictures that they would lay out for my girls and I to look at and try to ID him. Two of us were able to ID him positively. And the third, which was Parker, who was alone with him, couldn't ID him. My guess is she blocked that out from trauma. His driver was never caught. And that would haunt me for many months after. Catching him wouldn't be the end of it, though, but rather the beginning of a very long ordeal in our criminal justice system. We would have to see him again in court. There would be a sentencing where we would have to face him. And at the sentencing, I stood right next to him shoulder to shoulder. I remember feeling completely sick to my stomach being that close to him. I remember the judge asking him if there was anything that he wanted to say to us. And he No one else would look at him, but I looked him right in the eye and he said, I'm sorry. And I know that these were not my words because I said, I forgive you. And I hated this man with all my being. So my guess for sure is that the Lord was my voice. Yet my heavenly father allowed those words to come out of my mouth. And I wish I could say that after knowing he was behind bars, that was it. And the fear was gone. But this once fearless social worker that went into every bad area in Montgomery and was never scared was the biggest scaredy cat around that never wanted to leave my home. I remember my sister-in-law coming down to the house and she said, uh, you got to get out of bed. Um, You got to be strong for your girls. You got to get up, get dressed. And I said, I don't want to. (laughs) I just wanted to pull the covers over my head and pretend like it didn't happen. And she said, I'll help you. And Mm -hmm. I don't know how many of y'all know my sister-in-law. She's over here. Her idea of help was probably, I'm going to whip your butt. You're fixing to get out of that bed. I'm just kidding about this, though. God placed the strongest person that he knew would get me out of that bed. And she did. And I'm so thankful. Once again, he placed them. He knew. So there were a ton of sweet women, some of them sitting in this very room, that came and would stay at my house with me during the day when my husband would go to work um, because I was scared of being alone. And there were two in particular that came and walked every inch of my house, outside and in the fence line, Whatever it was, they walked it. They had anointing oil. They anointed my home. They even pointed out different reminders in my home that probably that robber looked straight at the night that he was standing in my kitchen. It was obvious that God did not want my home to be a place that I was scared and fearful of. Yet every time I walked in my kitchen, all I could see was that man with that gun to my baby's head. I continued to grab hands with fear and anxiety. They were my safe place. During this time, 
if that went all traumatic enough, um, I lost the one person that on earth that could always make things better, could always fix anything. And that was my dad. Throat cancer stole him when I needed him the very most. And I soon would learn that my heavenly father was my real dad and that he was the only one that could fix anything. And he also was the one in control of everything. I sent one daughter off to college. Then I sent another and my worries never stopped. I would put on my fear shoes every day. They were like my comfortable slippers. I wish I could show you some slippers right now, but they even traveled across state lines because my girls decided they were going to go out of state to school. So I made helicopter mom look easy going. <laughs> I tried to protect everyone in my family. I thought the tighter that I held, then, you know, the safer they would be. Although I knew my heavenly father was with me, I refused to lay them at his feet. I thought I could protect him better than God. I thought I was in control. What was I thinking? I had no control. I went to church. I went to Sunday school. I went to Bible study. I had numerous you know, times I was in Bible study that ladies would lay their hands on me and I would just beg God to take the fear away. He didn't. I was exhausted and I was weary. It turns out this kind of behavior for any long length of time will take a tremendous toll on you, not only spiritually and emotionally, but also physically. I continued to tone myself up for a while, eight years to be exact. <laughs> I tried to run away from my fear. I tried to move away from my fear. <laughs> I thought if I was just in a new house. And so I moved away from the house where I was held at gunpoint, point and I moved into a new house. And guess what? God perfectly placed me across the street from a cardiologist. This neighbor would soon become a very important part of my future. That first day when we moved in, I remember him handing us his card and saying, I hope you'll never need me. Turns out he was going to be exactly what we needed. He was a gift from God. God had prepared and known years in advance this day would come just like he did in Starbridge, and he perfectly placed us. He was protecting us even when we didn't know it. My worst fear was about to come to life. So my husband, Jeff, had never been sick. He was the healthiest person I probably had ever known, and he had what I really thought was probably a cold or a sinus infection or something going on. And I dragged him one Saturday all over Montgomery. We went to every furniture store you could go to. I think we even went to furniture stores in Pratt when we Tumpka. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out why he was laying down on all the sofas in the furniture store, <laughs> falling asleep, taking rest. And I just had no idea what was going on in his body until the next day when we ended up in the ER. So the ER was going to bring my fear to a full circle. I would say it multiplied it by a thousand. As I stood in the room and they wheeled in crash carts and told me that they didn't know if my husband would be okay, but they did need me to step out of the room. I did what any stubborn, hard-headed wife would do and dug my feet in and said, I'm not going, I'm staying right here. And um, it was like a scene straight out of the show ER. I wish I had left. <laughs> I remember this sweet little Auburn nursing student asking if she could pray over us. 
she must have known I was terrified and I needed Jesus in that room. She prayed over the biggest Alabama fan around. <laughs> God has such a sweet sense of humor. So I called that doctor, you know, the one I didn't think I was going to need that, you know, moved in. I tried to frantically over the phone recount as much information as I could about Jeff's help to him. He was so calm. He said, I'm on my way. I'll head there. My partner is there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm coming. He goes, I'm going to give my partner a call. So I was totally calm. I was thinking he, he heard everything I had to say and he was okay with it. So we go back in and all of a sudden I see them taking those handles, you know, like the ones you see on the yard and they were juicing them up, getting them ready because Jeff's heart looked really bad and it looked like he was probably going to have a heart attack right there. They're ready to shock him. And in crashes this person through the door and they say, wait, don't shock him. The doctor has talked to his wife and they think there's a possibility he could have a blood clot. And if you shock him, it can loosen it and he could be killed instantly. And I can honestly say that my shepherd worked to protect Jeff in that moment, because once again, he had looked ahead and he knew what we did not. I prayed and prayed and I started calling in a team to battle on their knees with me. I began to beg and barter with God. I know you all know this. It's like I wanted to play let's make a deal with God. You know, if you'll, I'll be better and I'll do better <laughs> if you'll just not let Jeff be sick. Take, let it be me. I, just let it be me. Just don't take Jeff. Well, I don't know what I was thinking, playing let's make a deal with God. You'd already made that deal on the cross for me a long time ago. But it would be another 24 hours or so before I would understand exactly how bad the situation was. I tried myself, make myself believe, yep, this is a cold. It's a respiratory infection. I know the heart's involved, but they can do a little heart test. They're going to give us a prescription and we're going to be on our way. We're, we're going to head out of here. I don't know that I was functioning in reality with any of these thoughts. And the next day, that sweet neighbor that God planted across the street would give me news that would change our lives forever. I was told that there was going to be a heart test. It would be super fast. They would come right out and let me know something immediately. And um, I didn't even call anybody to come wait with me because it's going to be easy, right? This was no big deal. We were going to leave with a prescription in hand. Well, God, the good shepherd, he apparently knew I was going to need my best friend because she showed up out of nowhere. I don't even know how she knew where to come because I hadn't asked her, hadn't told her. And I said, what are you doing here? She said, I just thought I would wait with you. I said, this is going to be really quick. You don't, you don't need to be here. And she goes, well, if it's really quick, I'll, I'll just stay till it's done. And I said, okay, well, it wasn't really quick. And we waited and waited. And I remember asking her a bunch of times, do you think everything's okay? Maybe something's wrong. Why is it taking so long? She was so calm. She said, we're not going to worry. We don't have anything to worry about yet. So when they finally did um, come out, I remember as the doctor was talking to me, I was squeezing her hand so tight as tears just rolled down my face. And I really felt like there was somebody behind me watching me. I look back 
and looked back forward and it was a group of ICU nurses that were standing back there that I had made friends with because anybody that knows me knows I'm going to make friends with my medical staff <laughs> but I, I had made friends with them and it turns out I found out later that they knew what the doctor was about to tell me and they stood behind us praying as he was talking to us so my perfectly healthy husband who had never been sick a day in his life he was in complete heart failure all four chambers of this heart were not functioning more than 15%. That clot that was a possibility yesterday, it was a reality today. It was sitting right on his heart. The cause, a virus. Yep, this is, this is pre-COVID. This is 2019. <laughs> it, it was just a plain old virus, and it attacked his heart. It sent him into AFib, and the AFib caused a clot, and it was the perfect storm to cause heart failure. At this point, I really regretted my degree as a Google doctor, and I was a really <laughs> good one. And when you Google viral cardiomyopathy, the survival rate is not good. I needed to be not on my Google. I needed to be in my Bible. I was completely shocked. What did I do wrong? Why was God punishing me like this? I looked at that neighbor and that doctor, and I said, what are we going to do? And he said. I don't remember a ton of the words he said, but he said, we're going to pray. And I, I looked at him with big eyes and said, and <laughs> what are you going to do to fix this? And he said, I mean, the calmest voice, Julie, we serve a sovereign Lord. We need him to fix this. And, you know, I just want you all to think about this for a minute. This is a doctor that works on hearts every day, and he knew who the great physician is, and he wanted me to know. So y'all aren't going to believe this, but that doctor, he was also a pastor. Yep. <laughs> he was a preacher and a cardiologist. God, could God have done any better than a two for one right across the street? We're talking about my across the street neighbor. This doctor was ministering to me as much as he was taking care of Jeff's heart. We started the journey of waiting and praying. Jeff was in a life vest, and I knew what its job was. If his weak heart was to stop, then hopefully it would start it back. Most people would be able to rest knowing this, but not this fearful, controlling wife. No way. I knew my job as well. I was to stay awake every night and make sure he was breathing. I wasn't trusting that vest, and I wasn't trusting God, who actually was in control. It was hard, and I was weary. And I was exhausted and I truly wanted to give up. I told some of the people closest to me that if Jeff were to die, I wanted to die too. It's hard to even repeat that. Why wasn't I trusting God? He was the good shepherd. He was going to protect me. He was going to protect Jeff. He had done it so many times. He had proven himself. It was his character to protect us. My faith was really being tested. Well, I'll tell you why I didn't believe. Because when I got up that morning, I slid into those shoes. They were my comfortable pair of slippers. You know, the one I've been wearing since 2011. Back at that robbery, I was so used to wearing them all the time that they were part of my daily attire. During this time, I can't even begin to tell you all the times that the Lord tried to use his people to break me out of jail but he just he would use my friends 
He would use workmen that came to my house. He would use my Bible study teacher, my really good friend, you name it. He sent all kinds of people to be his hands and feet. But I continued to drag around those balls and chains. They were so heavy. So finally, on April the 5th, 2019, I think God said, I've had enough. I got to get through to this girl. (laughs) So it was during this hard time of waiting. I had a friend show up. She said she wanted to pray over me. So I was all for it. She told me she sat in the driveway, though, for a while. Because she said that she felt the Holy Spirit leading her to say some hard things to me. Things I probably did not want to hear at that moment. My heavenly father, though, knew that I desperately needed to hear this message if I ever wanted to get out of jail. And it took her being really bold to get out of her car and come in and present his message to me. So she was equipped with the Holy Spirit and she was ready to break those chains. She asked me in the sweetest voice if I would be willing to agree that if it was the Lord's plan to take Jeff, it would be okay because I loved and trusted the Lord more than anything else. I realized at this point, and I confessed to her that I'd probably made some things and people idols in my life. We usually don't think of family as idols. They're put here for us to love and take care of, right? But anything that separates us from our Heavenly Father, where we're so consumed with them that we're not consumed with our Father, is an idol. And I had three good ones. They had names. Jeff, (laughs) Handler, and Parker. I told her with Jeff sick, I just couldn't say what I knew my Heavenly Father wanted to hear from me. I wanted to say it with all of my heart, but I just couldn't. Jeff was sick and his heart could stop at any moment. And I wasn't ready to relinquish that control. I felt safer holding on tight. She was relentless. And she continued praying over me. I could feel the Lord's presence right in my kitchen working on me. He so desperately wanted to free me, but only I could be the one to let go. All he wanted was for me to say, you are all I need. You can take it all and I'll still love you. That night, long after my friend had left, I sat in my bath. That's where I do my best work. (laughs) And as that water washed over me with tears streaming down my face, I raised my hands high in the air and I said, okay, Lord, I give up. You can have Jeff. You can have Candler. And you can have Parker. They were always yours. They were just on loan to me. You love them more than I do. And they're safe with you. And at that moment, declaring those words out loud, every single chain broke. You might ask me, how do you know? I physically felt it. I was free. I was free like I had never been since that robbery in November 2011. I began to know how much God loved me and that he wanted all of me, not just the parts that I was willing to share with him. The next few months were the sweetest in my life. I was not in control. God did so much for me. He did way more than I asked or even could imagine. He truly led me to those green pastures. I found rest. And he also completely restored Jeff's heart. It was a miracle. His heart was actually functioning better than it was before. Jeff was a miracle. 
Jeff always says that his hard instinct was to save and free me. I always loved the Lord, but I held on to certain areas that I just wasn't willing to trust him with. I walked through some valleys and I didn't let my shepherd lead me. These days, I enjoy green pastures and walking with my shepherd, knowing that if I fall on my back or if I wander off, he'll leave the 99 and come back for me. That's a great ending, right? <laughs> I just want you to say that I'm still struggling. Jeff, over there, he's got on a heart monitor right now. And we've had a lot of setbacks recently, and it's been hard. Just the idea of COVID was hard because I knew that it was a virus that almost took him out. And so the isolation of trying to protect us from COVID was hard. But I'll tell you what the difference is. This time, God carried me. And I allowed him to be in control. And it was so freeing. And I also released the ones that I love to him and put them in his hands. So the only thing I can say about this story is there's so many things that can chain us up. Fear just had to be mine. I'm sure that everybody has something that they drag around. But if you need somebody to pray with you, I, I'll pray with you. I know that all these women, there are so many godly good women in this room that would pray with you. But just let the Lord carry you because he longs to carry his children and he is the good, good shepherd. So that verse, and there's some cards somewhere. Um, my sweet daughter Candler is an artist and she painted, um, that's, that's my little sheet there. And um, then there's also uh, the shepherd's verse with it. But um, I just want you to look at that and let it be a reminder to you that He's a good, good shepherd, and he he will carry you. He'll pick you up. I just thank y'all so much for all y'all for coming and and for supporting me through this. Before we even hit record, I think we had an entire conversation about Julie's story, and y'all missed our whole discussion. Uh, We really could talk about this Mm -hmm. forever because I think we can all find ourselves 100% in Julie's story. You know, she said so many things can chain us up. Mine just happened to be fear. We've all got something that chains us up. Mm -hmm. And, and I found myself over and over in the, in the things that Julie experienced. Yeah. I mean, there was several things that, that really spoke to me. One of the things, you know, we're coming off of a a few stories these past few weeks about health issues and trusting (laughs) God. And when she spoke about with her husband that she was Googling things <laughs> and she said, I didn't need to go to Google. I needed to get in my Bible. I thought that was really powerful. And then, of course, the whole, you know, making her family her idols. Yes. And how she spoke about how I had three good ones. Yeah. I can totally relate to that as well. Just Any- really putting God more in that place instead of your children or your family. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When she said anything that separates us from God yes. is an idol and anything that we try to put in his place. And, you know, I was challenged thinking, huh. I've I've made my children yeah. idols. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I've made my husband an idol. Mm-hmm. Um, I've made approval or involvement or, or other things an idol. It was interesting that she at one point said that fear and anxiety were her safe place. Yes. You know, and that, she as comfortable slippers. Yes, she kept saying that. Yeah. Yes. And so, you know, it's really retraining our minds. Yes, We've had right. conversations about this of just going to the Lord mm-hmm. first and really kind of changing those neuropathways in our brain right. yes. so that fear and anxiety is not our first reaction. And, you know, 
I have been listening to this song in my house as I've the past year in particular, I've found myself in that place a lot. And there is a new song that has come out that's a worship song by Melissa Helzer called Sound Mind. Mm -hmm. And she talks about sound mind from a spirit of fear. And so we're going to put the link in the show notes because I wanted to text it to Julie this morning and say, if you have not heard this song, it sums up your story. Yes, yes. Well, you know, and another thing too that, that really spoke to me was just the friend that had the courage to yes. go and kind of call her out and, and say, look, you, you've got to, you've got to trust God. You've got to open up your hands. And she was relentless with her, you know, really <laughs> right. trying to get her to let go. And Julie finally did. And she spoke about how freeing that was. It was, she used the, you know, the term, it was like chains were broken right. off of her as well. I, I don't want to miss the trauma that she must oh. have truly oh, felt. Yes. I cannot so, imagine you know, looking and seeing a man oh, in, no. in my kitchen. So, and, and the fact that she said the Lord was my voice and mm-hmm. I was just able to say, I forgive you. Oh, yes. That wow. Was that is mm-hmm. absolutely the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. because it is truly only through him that we can forgive. Mm-hmm. Man, we're ping-ponging all over I the know, place. But there's so, I love there's it, though. So many, oh, good nuggets. <laughs> Probably when y'all are listening, you're doing the same thing. Yeah. This is another one we say sometimes they're note taker. There's somewhere you need to take notes in an episode and this is one that I will listen to to over and over again. And share with a friend. And share with a friend, yes. And remember, the transcripts are also on our website. So if you want to actually read her story, go to our website and click those transcript notes as well. Yes. Y'all, we haven't even talked about that. I'm kind of jumping out (laughs) of my chair right now because it is a great service that we offer that Mm -hmm. we have not told you about. We've talked about it on Instagram. But if you go to our podcast episodes on our website, you click on the episode and as you scroll past, the description of the podcast, you will see every word. So if you have a friend that's hearing impaired that wants to listen to podcasts and it's easier if they can read along, or if you yourself are a note taker and you want to know what she said, you go and you read the transcript. It's amazing. And so thank you, Tammy, our editor, for putting that in there. Um, (laughs) And this is one that I may even go back after Mm -hmm. listening multiple times, may go back to our transcript on this one, Mm -hmm. because it's so God just really spoke to me through this story. And so thank you for listening. We hope that you have a wonderful Easter and we will talk to you next week. Bye.